Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I want to, before I introduce our guest today, I have a correction from something I said last week, and I had a a listener send me an email saying, hey, that wasn't true, so I need to correct it. Apparently, the mother of Rittenhouse did not drop him off at the riot with an assault rifle. He obtained that later. I don't know how that makes a difference on the point I was making, what parent would drop their child off to a riot. Anyway, moving on, I also want to address the fact that on our website, if you go to agencies, Department of Homeland Security, you will see the hand signal that the Canadian Women's Foundation created to help people signal that they need help without actually screaming, yelling, and, and carrying on and further endangering their own life. It's brilliant. It's already worked here in, in the America. So in the studio, we have a split show today. In the studio, we have Arizona Rangers. We have Lieutenant Max and Lieutenant Bill. And we'll start with Max. Max, tell us how long you've been a Ranger and what inspired you? Well, I've been a Ranger for four years now, and I have a law enforcement family, law enforcement background. I can't, unfortunately, I can't officially do law enforcement anymore because of health reasons. This is my way, working with the Rangers to give back to the community and to help our law enforcement community. Okay, Lieutenant Bell, how long have you been a Ranger? Just over three years now, and I wanted to join the Rangers to give back, help law enforcement. To me, they're heroes. They go out every day, put their lives on the line, um, risk their lives for people they don't know. And I saw a lot of negative sentiment in the community that I didn't agree with, so I thought I'm going to just go out there and help them out as much as I can. And that's exactly why we even started this show. It's going on seven years now. So... I want to know a little bit more about the Rangers. I know they've been around since 1901. What do you guys, I mean, you don't do what they did in 1901, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys do? What are your updates? What do you do to support law enforcement? You know, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. All of our Rangers are volunteers. We do a lot of different things to help law enforcement. Um, Pretty much, we try to do the boring, mundane, time-consuming things that police officers normally do, like traffic control for fatal car accidents, prisoner watches at the hospital, overnight surveillance. Uh, Try to free up their time so that they can back each other up and protect the communities that they serve. Yeah, and right now it's really important because our our law enforcement departments are really low on staff. (laughs) Yes. To the critical situation. I heard that... uh, Probably by the end of the year, excuse me, I'm having trouble with my voice. Um, 
<clears throat> Tucson PD is going to be below 700 officers by the end of the year, is what I've heard recently. Yeah, and, and it's it's not nice, and, <laughs> and it's kind of scary because the guys who are out there are working double shifts. They, you know, they're on call constantly, and it's it's. There's a lot of calls they're not even able to respond to yes. today that they used to, and that's that's sad. We got to figure out a way to fix that. And how many people? I know, you know, your your department has quite a few statewide. How many people are local with the Rangers? Do you know? <laughs> In southern Arizona? Right. I would say probably 80 to 90 max. Yeah, that's about right. And with most of them being in Tucson and Madera, which is in Sarita. Okay. Tell us, I know you've got a huge list of some of the things that you help support. Tell us a little bit about some of those. Well, the primary purpose of the Arizona Rangers is to provide law enforcement support. So we help law enforcement with virtually anything they need, uh, no matter what it is. Um, we also are chartered with helping the youth in the community. So we do things like shop with a cop. Uh, the other day we were down at Gospel Rescue Mission handing out uh, meals and helping with traffic control for a huge event. I think they fed 2,500 families uh, and homeless wow. people. So anything we can do to help out the community, we work a lot with Mothers Against Drunk Driving. We're at virtually every one of their meetings providing complimentary free security for those events you have to have security at a mother's against drunk drivers just in case somebody shows up and they've had a drink or two just oh it happens sometimes those kind of people yes okay <laughs> you would think they'd not want to be there okay. right Okay, there's there's other things that you do I know I've I've seen you when we've had some tragic situations um, I've seen you guys out there helping with funeral. Yeah, actually, the funeral escorts, that's really a good point because we get confused a lot with an organization called the Southwest Rangers. They do all of the funeral escorts here in town on the motorcycles, and they go zooming around and uh, stopping people for the processions. That is not the Arizona Rangers. That's a separate company, not related uh, at all. Oh, what am I thinking? The FOP did the dinner after a funeral for... Oh, fallen officers and first responders. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, sometimes the Arizona Rangers will they'll show up at at the funerals. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to show support, but as in a not in an official capacity unless we're specifically requested. Okay. So I know you guys helped us out last weekend. We did our event at the uh, a private automobile collection, and we had a couple of rangers out there helping us with traffic control and keeping people from touching stuff. Was that the classic car show? Yes. Oh, I love that event. One of my favorite <laughs> events. No, it wasn't the class. This guy has historic classic cars. Uh -huh. He's, it's a private collection. Oh, beautiful. You missed it. I missed it. Where it was, was it? was awesome. <laughs> at Wayne's Toys. Oh. Yeah. Next year, please get yeah, me on we're, the invite we're, list. We're going to be we're going to be doing it next year too. And uh, Wayne was amazing. He offered to help us out and you know to give us his warehouse to do an event like that. And it was just spectacular. And Sheriff Daniels was there, yes. She, yeah, Cochise County Sheriff Daniels was there. We had um, Yuma County um, Sheriff Wilmot was there. Sheriff Lamb unfortunately had to go to the funeral. That was up in Maricopa County, so he wasn't able to attend. But they were they were pretty funny. They, they were a good group of people. So, okay, 
What does somebody have to do to become an Arizona Ranger? What do you ask them to do? I know you invite them to the meetings to observe. Yeah, we like the prospective applicants to attend three monthly meetings just to get a feel for the Rangers, what we do, just to make sure it's a good fit for them, get to know us. Um, That lets us see that they're kind of serious about volunteering Mm -hmm. their time. Uh, After three meetings, they are welcome to submit an application. They go through a pretty extensive background check. Uh, If that goes through, the company votes on them to become a probationary ranger. Um, Then they are... How long are you on probation? Um, Companies are different... Um, Depends. No, no, normally it's 24 duty hours. You have to spend with an FTO, a training officer. Um, We like to see you complete that in the first 90 days. So you have to pick up quite a few duties. In Tucson, because there's such huge demand, we've increased that to 48 hours. We've doubled all of the state requirements to make it a little bit tougher to get into the Tucson company because they're just... We can only handle so many rangers. You're exclusive group of people. Yeah. So you don't let just anybody in. Yeah, we want to. If your picture's hanging in a post office somewhere, don't apply. (laughs) So Tucson does some pretty, uh, they're a little bit more involved with law enforcement community than most of the other companies. Uh, And Salrita, the Madera company, we're starting to work with with Salrita people police department quite a bit too now so working the more better the better we do a background investigation and vet these people the better we can work with the local law enforcement yeah you don't want a nasty mark on your reputation because you really have a stellar reputation yeah and i think it's important to note that we are not sworn Daisy Post law enforcement officers. We are volunteers. We're there to help. We don't have full arrest authority like police officers do. Uh, Not even citizens arrest. <laughs> yeah, you could technically, or I'm, oftentimes, I'm you know, we we actually we work for the courts doing court security, and in that capacity, we are officers of the court, and we have full arrest authority uh, without direction from any law enforcement agency. So there are rare cases where Arizona Rangers do have full arrest authority, but it's rare. But one thing we do like to look for and weed out are those people that want to come in to wear a uniform, a badge, and a gun because they want to be a cop. We are not police officers, and we know where that line is, and we respect that line, and it's important that we maintain that through the recruiting process as well. So what type of questions do you ask your recruits? You know, I'm not on the panel for that, Max. You do a lot of the recruiting. Do you guys have standard questions you ask down there at Madera Company? Um, again, I'm not on the panel, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have to go before a panel? Yeah. A, 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 what do you call it? A three-person panel. A uh, board? Yeah, board. So they go after they're uh, part of the... Sorry. Part of the um, process that is uh, before they're voted in, they have to go to a panel, through a panel, after the uh, background investigation. And this is before they put in their their hours, their probation yes, hours. Yes, um, and um, usually they, they'll ask them why they want to be a ranger, what's their motivation, kind of like what you did with us here. Um, Interrogation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, depending f- on their answers depends on exactly how you how you feel about it. How does somebody get a hold of you to say, "Hey, I want to, I want to research this. I want to see if I, I qualify to be a ranger." Well, we have two ways. One is our 
uh, website, which is azrangers.gov. And then on the... Uh, which alone tells you it's official.gov. Yes. You would think so. Okay. <laughs> and I'm the recruiting officer for the Southwest region, okay. uh, which includes... And it's kind of messed up the way they got it, but it's Benson, Santa Cruz County, uh, Madera, and Tucson. I'm responsible for those four co uh, companies. And I can be reached at 520-347-9242. And I can try and answer any questions they have and put them in touch with the correct uh Depending on where they live. Depending on where they live. What if they live in one place and want to be a member of a different? That they can do that. We have uh, here and here with my company, Madera. We've got a person that comes from Casa Grande every day, every month, for our monthly meetings. You do have to be a resident of the state of Arizona, however. Can't be yes. a resident of California. You have to be born here. No, just okay. A just resident. thought I'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> An actual citizen. Okay, tell me more about, about what they're doing and what do you have coming up that, you know, maybe somebody who is thinking about being uh -oh. a ranger can get involved with. I know Shop with a Cop, that's really that's yeah. really a rewarding event. Shop with a Cop is coming up. We're actually getting into our busy season. Um, like Marana Police has holiday patrol. They just want saturation. They want a, a, a heavy law enforcement presence in the community. Do you guys carry a gun? Oh, yes, have to. If you're on handcuffs, duty. yep, every Mace. yep, batons, bear spray, bear spray, <laughs> wasp spray. <laughs> so, um, back up just a little bit. You must have a CCW to be able to be a ranger. Don't tell people what that is a concealed carry uh, weapons permit. Okay, so that means you have to go to like Diamondback Shooting Sports, take a class, and poof, I've got one of those. So, become a ranger. Yeah. I'll, get you, I'll get you an application. <laughs> You'd look good with a badge. I think you used to wear one, probably. <laughs> okay. What do you do? You have a kid's program. What does that entail? Well, every company's different. Every company has different initiatives. They like to support uh, various youth organizations in their communities. Um, Shop with a Cop is one that we do pretty much statewide. Uh, other communities volunteer. I know the one of the companies up north has an orphanage um, that they support. They go in there twice a year. They do barbecues. They bring in Christmas presents for the kids, oh, things like that. Nice. Um, so every company is a little bit different. The companies get to vote on how they want to spend their time and their money and give back to the community. But uh, we are a 501c3, and pretty much virtually everything that we raise goes back to the community. None of our rangers are compensated, not even on expense reports or for equipment. So it goes right back into the community. I noticed how you slid that in there. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to give to a great organization, how do they donate to Arizona Rangers if they can't become a ranger themselves, but they want to support? Where do they go? Website is the best place, azrangers.gov. There's a, a button there to donate. Uh, also, several buttons and information, more about the rangers, how to apply, how to get involved, other things, um, donations of merchandise, equipment, Departments give us police vests that are expired, those types of oh, things. Yeah, that's going to help. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we wear them. <laughs> Something's better than nothing. That's yes. true. 
So if somebody goes online to donate and they want their funds to specifically go to a certain area, do they have that option on the website? 100%. And if they earmark their their donation in any regard and we accept it legally, we have to spend it and earmark it for that purpose. We're not allowed to commingle it and use it for other purposes. Yeah. IRS requirement. That's, that sounds commingling. <laughs> also, you know, if they, if, with the... Uh, website you can find this uh, the individual companies there's by the way there's 22 companies throughout the state and if they want to contact that company individually they can do that and talk to them and talk, and talk to, them. to one of their representatives find out what they're about yes especially since each one has a different agenda what works up north may not work down here etc cetera, etc cetera. now in order to be also in order to become a ranger they have to go through a two uh Two and I heard it might be going to three day. Um, the academy, yeah, Arda, Arizona Ranger Training Academy. Where's that located? It varies. Um, it was being held in Glendale, but um, do they stay overnight? Is this a, a like Boy Scouts? You're camping out? <laughs> <laughs> they yes, uh, they in most cases they there. have to get a hotel room. Okay. Um, but uh, the first day is basically going over our policies, procedures, uh, what we can and can't do. And the second day we go into uh, self-defense. Uh, handcuffing. Handcuffing. Tactics, that kind of stuff. And then the third day that they... Right now, the firearms qualification is up to the individual company to do, but... I hear they're getting So ready. what do you have to score? We don't do scores. It's pass or fail. Oh. It is the AZ post-qualification, though. Exact same qualifications. Every officer has to go through firing certain number of rounds, certain number of distances in a time sequence, 50 rounds total. And I believe you're, uh, you have to hit at least 40 out of the 50. Well, if you can't do that. Yeah. Yes. Come on. So, um, so what was your score, Max? I, he's a sharpshooter, Max. Is. I think I missed one, my last one. You're going to have to practice more. What was your score? You know, it's funny. It's kind of a standing joke here in Tucson. Uh, my FTO that qualified me says to all the Rangers, the safest place in the gunfight is stand right in front of Bill. I can't hit anything. No. <laughs> I think I did okay. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So... Other than you've got to qualify, you have to spend three days up in some place. They may have moved it. It's a secret. We're not telling on, on air <laughs> where you have to go. Do you guys work with other rangers like the Texas Rangers or the does California have a ranger program? I believe they do, and I know Colorado has a, a pretty healthy ranger program, one that we try to emulate. Uh, Texas Rangers are legitimate law enforcement they're the best of the best in the state top-notch fully certified az post type certification um but colorado is a little bit closer to what they started out with it like the arizona rangers as right. a volunteer organization and now they're fully um so what, do you, in the state. so what do you guys have to do to get post certified what holds us back is we have to be sponsored by an agency and DPS, when, when the state of Arizona authorize us uh, through statute to work with law enforcement, um, dressed like law enforcement with firearms, um, we talked to DPS about 
being sponsored by them so that we could become AZ Post certified. But we would have lost a lot of our control. Um, they would have 100% control over us to mandate, you know, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And I believe the powers that be didn't want to relinquish all of that control. So they decided to stay independent. So we're not sponsored by any agency that way. Because of that, we're not AZ Post certified. But we'd love to figure out a way, a solution, become limited to get some. So you guys didn't uh, like, okay, let's go to the negotiation table and talk about it. I wasn't there at the time. It's just what I've heard. Um, okay, so this is gossip. Yes, but there's <laughs> got to be some truth to it because it's where we're at today. We're not uh, under any one agency. And how long ago did that happen? I believe, that, well, that was, uh, what, 2012? Is that when the statute was passed? Oh, well, yes. it's time to uh, renegotiate. Yeah. I, 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 oh, you've got t- different people in office and, you know, sit at the table and talk. Well, you know, there are certain things that we do like traffic control, um, overnight surveillance, uh, event security. So, um, so those limited things that we do every day, I wish that we could go through the academy and yet train just like the officers do on those subjects alone, just have a very limited post certification. Um, I think that'd be fantastic. Okay. Now, with the ARTA, we do... With the, what? The ARTA, the Arizona Ranger Training Academy. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Um, we do have some post-certified instructors teaching us with the batons and stuff like that. Okay. So, but that doesn't help if you're not certified. Yeah. So it, it's nice to have the knowledge, but if you don't, you're not certified, let's get you certified. That makes sense. And if you were certified, then you could be members of, you know, ASCOPS or, or FOP and get all those benefits, which would also make sense. And the officers that we work with would trust us a little bit more, trust that we know at least to what a limited doing. capacity. Exactly. Like right now, they just don't know. They're not sure what They're kind like, of training we have. Who is that guy? Yeah. <laughs> they assume. Whose side are you on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, give us the phone number again if anybody's interested in being a, a ranger. So, Lieutenant Max Reichgott, R-E-I-C-H-G-O-T-T. My phone number is 520-347-9242. And the website is? www.azrangers.gov. So if you're interested and want to learn more about it, give Max a call. Go to the website, check it out. And you know what? Right after the New Year, it's a good time to start doing something new in your life and giving back to the community. And these guys do it every day. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thank You've you been for amazing, us. And thank you for your service. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll be back in a few. This is John, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. Planning a day hike? Start hydrating a few days ahead. Bring plenty of water, sunscreen, a first aid kit, and proper clothing. It's the smart thing to do. Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and you. 1030 in police code means excessive use or unauthorized use of the radio, something we do with each podcast posted to iTunes and Google Play. Hi, this is Rich Tracy inviting you to join our conversation and asking you to support our mission. Please go to lawmatters1030.org to contribute. No amount is too small. Saving lives means staying informed. Knowing the dangers of using counterfeit prescription pills can help those you care about and keep our community safe. 
As a parent, educator, neighbor, or friend, we all play a role in building safe and healthy futures for ourselves and our loved ones. Do your part. Take the first step today. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com to access education, prevention, and treatment resources. Counterfeit prescription pills laced with fentanyl are deadly. Be their protector. Be informed. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com. Please tune in to Law Matters Live Show every Saturday morning at 8. Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, we will hear part two of the real Dick Tracy story and everything that happened during the launch of the Dick Tracy movie. You don't want to miss this, and please go to lawmatters1030.org to support our 1030 challenge. Your support makes a difference. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Okay, thank you for staying with us. Our next guests, that was a quick change. Our next guests are representatives from 88 Crime. We have Dave, who is the president, and we have Keith. What do you do? Good morning. I'm, uh, I'm with the county attorney's office, and we oversee the program. Oh, there you go. So, and Dave, what do you do in your real life? So, I'm a retired police commander from the Tucson Police Department, retired about six years ago, and now work for Raytheon Missile Systems. Do you make missiles, or, you know, how does this work? I don't. I actually run the physical security organization for, it's actually now Raytheon Missiles and Defense. Cool. Very cool. I had a neighbor that worked for Raytheon, and his therapy was to garden when he got home. So, I I loaned him my yard. It was awesome. (laughs) And we have Rich Tracy in the studio. Good morning, everybody. And Rich is just a man about town. What do you do, Rich? Um, well, I'm retired from the U.S. Marshals. I, I think the audience has heard me go through this story more than more than a few times. And I'm uh, here to... Uh, I, I've known Dave and Keith both for years, so I'm just here to participate in the interview. Okay. What would you, what would you ask them? What would be the first question you'd ask them? about 88 crime the first question I would ask them about 88 crime is just give us an outline of the program and how it uh, impacts the community yes so this is Keith I'll start with uh, talking about the program itself run by the county attorney's office and we have call takers on call 24 hours a day between our office and a call center it deals nothing with the calls once the tips come in, the uh, the tips are reviewed and then forwarded to law enforcement, and hopefully uh, they become good leads for the police or the sheriffs, and they are able to make arrests off the tips. And that's the point where we turn the tips or the uh, the results of the investigation over to the board. Now this organization's been around for a while. In fact, nationally, it's called Crime Stoppers. But every once in a while, you have a, an organization, a local, that's called 88 Crime because that is the phone number, correct? 88 Crime, I've heard them called silent witnesses, but Pima County's uh, program is called 88 Crime. And that's because it is the phone number, so it's easy to remember. 
It that's exactly correct, and and it is a it, it's a very easy way for the public to remember what number to call. Um, you don't have to look it up. You remember the the name of the organization. You dial it, and you you're able to receive a call taker that can accept that information and then get it to the right law enforcement agency. I think a big component of this, um, and I'm a big fan of 88 crime. A large component is the person who's giving the tip stays anonymous. They don't have to give their name or anything, and people go, how does that work? When you're on the phone and you give that tip, you're asked to create a code or a password or you know a PIN, whatever it is, that identifies you. So you can actually follow that tip to see if it's actually worked or somebody's been arrested. That's exactly correct. And, you know, let me add a little human element to this because I think it's easy to talk about statistics and organization, but how does this actually impact community? How do we, how do we improve the quality of life for Pima County and Southern Arizona residents? And how do we make it safer for the community members to, to live in their communities? I remember in the, in the late 80s receiving my first 88 crime tip when I was an undercover narcotics agent. And the information I had was that a person living at a certain apartment complex was both selling cocaine and he was also abusing, um, not only emotionally, but also sexually abusing his daughter of nine years old. Charming. The 88 crime tipster was able to give me enough information as a new young narcotics agent to knock on the door, engage a conversation with, with the person, and ultimately buy cocaine from him. And finally, once he was arrested, get his daughter to safety. That makes a significant change to not only that daughter, but all of the other people living in that apartment complex having to be present while essentially drug addicts right. were coming and knocking on the door stealing from other people to come up with money for the drugs. So it really, it not only solves crimes, but it improves the quality of life for the people around those that are involved. Took a bad guy off the street, put him in jail. Exactly. That's awesome. And the tips that people give that, you know, ultimately will end up in an arrest, how do you decide what the award is for that if if in majority of them don't even collect the award they just want to clean up the neighborhood but if they wanted to collect the reward how do you determine the amount of the reward so we do have a matrix that we follow for the most part we do make some exceptions but as a as the president of the board of directors at this time we receive a recommendation from the law enforcement agency. Okay. We also receive a recommendation from the 88 crime office. And then we evaluate the, the case based on a number of merits, you know, property received, arrest made, impact to the community, things of that nature. And then each month when we have the board of directors meeting, um, the entire board discusses every single tip that has been closed that month. And we make our own ultimate recommendation and then adopt at that board meeting. So do you work uh, like with Texas or California, other states? Do you work in that capacity or is this just a local Southern Arizona 88 crime? So the board of directors itself works the, at the local level. 
However, as tips are passed to to the various law enforcement agencies, they may have ties to to other locations, but that really comes down to the law enforcement agency that's investigating that specific crime. Okay, I've had Jim Fuda on the show several times, and he's a trainer for 88 Crime, and he told us about the P3 program, which is, you know, bilingual and actually international. Do you promote that P3 program? on? It's a phone app, and I've promoted it here. Does so so we, we do use the P3 um, at the county attorney's office. That's how we, uh, we track our calls, and you are correct. People can either call in or they can use the web to, to file a tip. And it, again, it's all anonymous. And do you happen to know the website for the P3 the, so the people can download it on their phone? I don't know it. Rich uh, is going to look it up, aren't you? <laughs> Rich, help us out here. <laughs> Make it happen. So what got you involved with 88 Crime? Other than that, I mean, you didn't join 88 Crime Board right away. What got you involved now? So that's exactly correct. So, you know, I had the great benefit, you know, as early in my career, 88 Crime played a significant role in in many of the different um, units that I worked in. Uh, we would often turn to 88 Crime, not just in narcotics, but in domestic violence, looking for fugitives from cases that we had to a lot of our property crimes and even violent crimes. After retiring in 2015 um, and really starting a, a new career, I was approached by a colleague at Raytheon who asked me, hey, would you be interested in, in volunteering for the 88 Crime Organization? And it was a great opportunity for me to give back to the community. And ultimately I joined the, I was accepted on the board of directors. And uh, just last July, was voted in the president's seat. So how does somebody become a member of the board for 88 Crime? So it's largely done through the existing board of directors, um, looking for those members of the community that, that have a, a benefit that they could offer, time that they could serve, um, their ability to network within the, the broader Tucson Metroplex, Pima County, Southern Arizona communities. Ultimately, it's the board of directors responsibility to raise funding to pay for these rewards. We accept no tax dollars from the community. Uh, all of the money comes from donations from the public, from a lot of our local business leaders, and the board supports that. We go out and we raise money so that we have the ability to pay tipsters and continue liaising between law enforcement and the community to help them. And these tips don't just go to TPD. They go to the county. They go to the Border Patrol. They go to FBI. They go everywhere. Wherever the tip is is um, authorized to go. How do you say it? <laughs> well, wherever it applies. So Where it applies. the tip Good could word. apply to the county. It could apply to the U.S. Marshals in the case of fugitives from justice so regardless so, of where it goes turn in your neighbors you could win a reward you know keep an eye on things okay that p3tips.com so p3tips.com or you can go to the apple store or the google play store i know i found it on i have an android i don't know if that 
means anything, but I found it on my phone, so I've got it on my phone. So if you see something that's happening and you think, you know, you've got a license plate, you saw somebody fleeing the scene of a crime, call it in. Call it in. You don't have to go to court. That's one of the big things. People, I don't want to go to court. You don't have to go to court. You're anonymous. Law enforcement does not know your name. They just know they've got a great tip that's going to put somebody away for doing a bad thing. Right? That's exactly correct. It's 100% anonymous. Uh, and when you think of it from the perspective of community policing, from a law enforcement perspective, being part of that community, but moreover, from the communities themselves, sometimes they're intimidated by criminals in their neighborhoods. They don't want to be the person dialing 911 and then bringing unwanted attention on themselves. 88 Crime enables them to be completely anonymous, yet provide that same level of detail to law enforcement so they can then act and hopefully help clean up that community. Yeah, and I think everybody's interested in giving our, our youth a, a good place to live and play and not have to deal with drugs and sex trafficking and all that other happy stuff that goes on that people are trying to stop. That's exactly uh, correct. Sure. I, I just want to say, Sherry, that back in my days of working fugitives, uh, we, I carried my business card and an 88 crime card You know, every <laughs> everywhere I went, and I would tell people we'd do interviews. And I, If you don't want to call me, call 88 crime yeah. and you'd be surprised at how many you know tips we get back from the community just by and we we spread the 88 crime cards everywhere because number one we could people could earn a few dollars if they needed it number two they could remain anonymous which was the the biggest draw to to handing those cards out and clean up the neighborhood and i i talked about this in the first half of the show the canadian women's foundation created the hand signal and I don't know if you guys have that on your website. If you don't, I'm going to send you the link. Um, if you're in trouble and you're being kidnapped, you're, you know, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, whatever the situation is, human trafficking, there's a hand signal you can give that will signal to people that you're in trouble, you need help. And whoever recognizes that signal, and we're trying to get this knowledge out there, can call 911 and say hey here's the situation here's where they're located and they gave the hand signal it's not to be abused but it's supposed to be used to help people save lives and it has worked here in america so i contacted the the ladies in, in canada and i got permission to put it on our website and if you want it on your website i'll send you the link so let me know i think it's important that we tell everybody every female out there every young man out there should know this hand signal so okay keith i understand that you are bffs with mcgruff how important is mcgruff's influence on so, our community mcgruff and i are very good friends he gets out into the community as often as we as we can and it's just a great way for the community to get to know the 8-8 cram program. It's a, it's a great icebreaker, especially with the kids. The kids, McGruff loves the kids. The kids love him. Hugs and pictures all around. But it's a good way for McGruff's handler to talk about the program, uh, give out the brochures, and uh, just, just increase the awareness. So did you have to go through canine training? 
McGruff, you can't have McGruff biting little kids. So, yeah. True. Lots of, lots True. of training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad idea for a service dog, right? Right. <laughs> so, when he's out there, what kind of things does McGruff do for the kids? I know he has his um, pamphlets that tells them what to do in emergency situations. Have you read those pamphlets? I don't have any with me. Can you tell us what they say? Just to be safe, if you see something... Say something. Say something. Um, again, it, McGruff is, is the icebreaker. He, he gets the kids. The kids will come over to him. The parents will come over. Um, pictures galore. McGruff loves it when the parents come up and say, can I have a picture with my son or daughter? I have one when I was their age. And so it, it's, it's just a great way to keep the, uh, the communication going and the, the public. And he's kind of an extension of baby crime. So do you guys go to schools? Does McGruff go to schools? Or I know, does 88 Crime still have the kids' school program? Well, a lot of things have changed since the beginning of COVID. Okay. So we are just now getting back into um, attending att uh, attending events okay. throughout the year uh, where we, we accompany McGruff. McGruff is able to share information. We're able to share uh information concerning 88 crime and and how you can get involved how you can report things um, now do you have to go through mcgruff's agent does he have a publicity agent i think that's called the program <laughs> director <laughs> <laughs> and our new program director if i could throw a plug in for Bibette mcdonald she's doing an excellent job and yeah uh, i met her she's awesome she's amazing she's very uh, energetic yes that's good so I, I want to say, I was looking up uh, McGruff first, since you've had me Googling here. Yeah, uh, McGruff first appeared <laughs> first appeared in 1980. Mm -hmm. So July. that's 41 years. So in dog years, that makes him 287 years old. He's still he looks spry. good. Yeah, he, he looks, looks good spry. for 287. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And he's a bloodhound. Is he a bloodhound? I think he's what a bloodhound. Well, I'm not real sure what he is. He's kind of a mix. No, he's a bloodhound. He's a bloodhound. <laughs> he's a male. <laughs> That's what I heard. I could be wrong. But what we do know what? is he takes a bite out of crime That's, every time he goes out. That's right. And that's good. You don't want to be bit by McGruff because if you are, you're a bad guy. That's right. So, yeah. Okay, I want to hear more about what 88 Crime does. I know you do events in the community. Tell me about some of them. Absolutely. So we were just recently at the Trunk and Treat, uh, which was a, a great event that was hosted by Pima County and the Sheriff's Department. We had about, I believe, 6,000 people show up. Oh my so God. we were able to hand out a lot, of, a lot of brochures about the program. McGruff was able to meet a lot of, of youngsters. And uh, again, it's, it's a way to get the get our message out to the community. Uh, we will be doing a chili cook-off in, in uh, the Amato area. Where's that? In, it's out near, near Green Valley, beyond okay. Green Valley. Okay. Um, and throughout the year, a lot, of, a lot of different events are coming back now. The main event that 88 crime sponsors the way we raise the most amount of money for the program each year is we honor our law enforcement professionals from across southern arizona through an awards banquet a dinner they can bring their 
their law enforcement members, their families, and we give out awards for law enforcement officers who are actively using the tips from 88 Crime to conduct investigations, make arrests, and generally impact the, the community in a positive way. That's awesome. I, I have been to those dinners, and it's just amazing, and it's so cool to have people really acknowledge, with all the negativity that's going on right now uh, against law enforcement, we've got some really amazing people here in southern Arizona, and hats off to everyone. If you see a law enforcement officer, thank them. Thank them, because they're putting their life on the line to protect you. I agree 100%. In fact, I can tell you that having spent 32 years in law enforcement, my oldest son is a law enforcement supervisor in Texas now. He started with the Tucson police. My middle son is law enforcement in Tucson now. He's a canine handler and a SWAT operator. My daughter went a different direction. She went into the United States Air Force, uh, but very much a service-related family and So I I get that insight picture into what law enforcement officers are feeling now. I can contrast that to how proud I was serving as a law enforcement officer. It's a very honorable profession, and uh, it's unfortunate what we're going through at this time. It is, and we need to support our our local law enforcement people because they're not getting it on the political side of things (laughs) for sure. The other thing, you you mentioned the Air Force. I, I was honorary commander at, at DM, and now I'm a member of, we're a member of the um, Thunder Squadron oh. unit. So, you know, we, we've got a little attachment there. And a lot of our military people don't get the respect either. And some people have the impression that, you know, you couldn't do anything else with your life. You had joined the military. That's so not true. Nothing could be uh, further from the truth. Further from the truth. I mean, they're they're amazing. Uh, the branches that I I have worked with closely, they're just the epitome of professional. And uh, whether you're protecting our nation or you're protecting our communities, they're both key vital vital resources. Yeah, if they weren't there, we probably wouldn't be speaking English. <laughs> we we wouldn't be able to do the things that we do on a daily basis as free as we are. And every time I hear a, a jet go over, I'm going, that's the sound of freedom. Absolutely true. So, yeah, I really appreciate what you guys do. What's your next event that the public can take part in? So that will be the chili, chili, chili? cook-off in Amato. Who's and cooking the chili? There are all kinds of organizations. It's actually a... a chili competition now we're not cooking chili we're actually there to share the word about 88 crime however it uh i should have the date here but i believe it's december 8th or 9th somewhere in amato in amato arizona is that a saturday it is so it's got to be the fourth first saturday first saturday is the first saturday is the fourth because yeah. he's on the show with his Dick Tracy's going to be on the show. Then I believe it's the following weekend. Okay. That's what happens when you're retired and you're you're working off your uh, <laughs> your memory as opposed to looking at a document. 
<laughs> and Sherry okay. were also slated to uh, be at the Fourth Avenue Street Fair, which I wasn't sure was going to go on this year, but uh, we just heard recently that it is. And when's that going to be? That's the second week. I think that's the 11th. So 12th. you have a conflict. You guys are... So... Well, the, the the good thing is is that then there's enough volunteer between the the board members and between the staff at the county attorney's office. There's there's enough people to to cover to, both to areas. Sure. That's awesome. And Sherry Rich was able to uh, bail me out there. It's actually December 11th. Okay. So it looks same like weekend. it'll it'll be the same weekend. But as as Keith mentioned, we have a lot of very dedicated board members, and we were able to um, to cover pretty much all of the events we're invited to. That's awesome. We have a caller. Uh, Sue, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, thank you for your service, and, and thank you for your show. I learned so much, Sherry. Thank you. Anyway, um, there are checks and balances in our government through the Constitution, and I'm just wondering if anyone that you've ever dealt with has weaponized your program and and filed false reports and if you find that someone is filing false uh, uh, reports against innocent people what do you do about it so it is against the law to file a fa false police report like it would be if you called 911 and uh, made a false complaint about somebody so those uh, those types of cases are investigated by the detectives at the county attorney's office and we either get the harassment to stop or on occasion arrests have been made. I think what the thing is, if you don't know who the caller is because it's anonymous, how do you, how do you go about investigating that? I find it interesting that if somebody's being harassed and then you go talk to the victim of that harassment, they usually they have a pretty good know. idea. <laughs> they probably know. Who's involved. <laughs> okay. So Dad. just through, just through a normal investigation. Well, Sue, thank you for your question. Thank you for listening. Can, I'd like to ask Keith, because um, this is something I'm not even all that familiar with, how are rewards paid to the anonymous callers good, good and point. that their anonymity is maintained? I think that's probably anybody that calls ADA Crime wants to know that they're, that the anonymity is, is sacrosanct. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. Sure. So Dave talked about it a little bit earlier. Each tipster is given a number that only pertains to that specific tip and that specific tipster. If later on down the road, law enforcement makes an arrest and then a reward is approved, um, the tipster is notified either by calling in or using the P3, we can put a message on, on the P3 website. And uh, they yep. take that number to the bank. The bank is already knows about the reward and no ID, no questions asked, the rewards are paid. Right. It's just done through the number that they were given originally when they first made the call. Correct. And they go to a bank that's designated and they collect their reward in cash. Absolutely. Right. Do you give them a, a code number? Do they create a password? Or is it they have to create a password to get into the site and then you issue a code number to identify that particular case? Good question, Sherry. I'm not sure. I don't know the answer. You know what? I think McGruff would know. I, I actually, um, I can actually speak to that. What happens is they're never asked their name. They're asked to provide either a false date of birth or a, a number code. They make it up. 
Then what happens is after the board votes on the on the tips, we go to a typically myself or an, another member of the executive board would go to our CPA's office where we have a checkbook. We make a checkout to that number. We Pay have to no the idea. order of blah 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 number. Correct, and then that check is taken to to the bank, and the tipster is able to pick it up there without any identification, just knowing that number. Okay, but they cash it, right? You don't have to take that check to some other bank and they no. go, who's that? No, they, they, <laughs> receive, the, they receive their payment okay. directly at the bank, but it's through that check that, that we take. But again, yeah. no one has any idea who it's being made out to. Yeah, because it's not say show up here at this date and time and you'll get your check. It doesn't work that way. You go in whenever you want. That's correct. Can you use the drive through I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> just thought I'd ask. I want to remind everybody that uh, next week, Rich is coming on the show with his dad, the original Dick Tracy. And who else are you going to have on the show with you? I'm not quite sure yet. <laughs> my, uh, my, my oldest son has his National Guard duty next weekend, so he might not make it. Oh, no. So we may get my youngest son and maybe my brother who's in town. We'll, we'll see who I can get up that early to come down and do it. It, you do have to get up early to be here. So how long have you been on the police department, Keith? So I retired from the sheriff's department in 98 and went to the county attorney's office in 2001. So You've been, been in law enforcement for a long time? About 40 years, 40-some years. And you? I did 32 years. So, and Rich? Well, I'm the baby. I only did 27 in law enforcement. He got bored. <laughs> he got bored. So how do people get in touch? If somebody wants to be on the board for ADA Crime and Law Matters is also looking for board members, how do they get in touch with uh, ADA Crime to be a board member? Do you have to be nominated? You would have to be nominated by a member of the board. And typically what happens is we will meet with that person, we'll interview them, we'll allow them to interview us, make sure that they're a good fit for the board. Uh, it's very much a service industry. Right. And um, and then we will take that nomination to the board of directors to vote on it. And what if somebody wanted to be a part of the county attorney's office? I think, <laughs> I think the county attorneys is always looking for, for folks, paralegals, <laughs> secretaries, prosecutors. So go apply. Go apply. Absolutely. Well, what are you guys doing next week besides Rich doesn't know who he's going to have on because he's going to be our host next week. What does your brother do? Your is your brother what what industry is he in? My brother's a retired Air Force colonel that was in a fifteen pilot. Oh my God! Does he know about the Friday pilots? They're all over the country. Um, I don't we, know if he we, does or not. We had him on. But thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> we had him on the show. Then they're going to be coming back after the first of the year. We're going to be talking with them again. They are some amazing people. So I want to thank both of you for coming on the show. And we want to thank you for allowing us to get the, get the message out. I want to thank Rich. He's going to be here next week interviewing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't figured it out. <clears throat> thank you, and until next week, shop local and stay safe. Please tune in to Law Matters Live Show every Saturday morning at 8. Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, we will hear part two of the real Dick Tracy story and everything that happened during the launch of the Dick Tracy movie. You don't want to miss this, and please go to lawmatters1030.org to support our 1030 challenge. 
Your support makes a difference. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.